We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast Network. Was in a little bit of a funk there, but it's all good. Um, joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I have to go karaoke tonight, and no one wants to see that, but maybe we'll make like a $50 Patreon tier and I'll record myself <laughs> singing Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Nah, nobody wants that. How are you, What Steven? are you, you going to sing? Oh, I don't know. Thankfully, it's one of those things where you can rent out the rooms. So you're just with your family and you get to sing okay. to the screen and not in front of everybody else. Because if that were the case, I would call in sick. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Karaoke, not my thing at all, um, but I'm doing good. Uh, I, hopefully I sound better because I definitely feel better from uh, our last recording, um, which has been good. Um, Utah won today. They actually looked like a functional offense. So can't complain. Hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying your Saturday. I know a lot of people are still probably watching the Washington and Oregon game, which has been uh, electric from what I have seen so far. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks everybody who will join us here in the future. So um, of course, have to wrap up our coverage of Chargers Cowboys. Um, we'll go over the latest injury reports. We'll you know have some last minute picks and predictions here. And then we will take some of your guys' questions this afternoon. So um, I think this has been a, a pretty positive week on the injury front for the Chargers. 
Um, first and foremost, Derwin James, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert do not have a injury designation heading into this week. Um, those are all, you know, obviously three of their best players, but arguably their three best players in general. So, um, Tyler, what do you make of, you know, you can pick either any of the three, but what do you make of those three not having an injury designation this week? Yeah, Austin Eckler is the big one for me. I know Herbert's the quarterback, but it's the non-throwing hand. So I think that's kind of a wait and see for me. How much does he work under center? But Austin Eckler being, I don't know how healthy, but not on the injury report is awesome. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. We've only seen three and a half quarters of Austin Eckler with this offense, but it was so different the first time we saw it and the last time we saw him. I'm curious what they lean into this time, but it just changes the amount of points you can score, the protections holding up. I mean, the only time the Chargers have scored over 30s with him on the field and because of his running, pass protection, you name it. So having him back is huge. Like, I think this does increase the ceiling of this team on offense by quite a bit, whether it's rushing, red zone, you name it. Yeah, I think we feel good about, like, Joshua Kelly as an RB2. Um, he's clearly not an RB1, and that that's not a knock. I think he can be a, a fine serviceable backup. <clears throat> but there have been some issues that I think Austin Eckler solves, right? Some of the pass protection issues, some of these short yardage issues that have kind of, you know, held this team back from really reaching their peak and closing teams out um, are potentially solved with Austin Eckler. And then also, you know, we've talked about this before, but there's no Mike Williams and and there's still some trust being developed for, for Herbert and Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis and some of these other guys. Um, Austin Eckler just provides another, trustworthy target out there in go-to situations we've seen time and time you know herbert hughes austin eckler as a receiver so austin is going to come in and, and and elevate the the ceiling of this offense like he is that kind of difference maker um brandon Sadie said today that uh, he's going to be full go austin eckler said that he could have played last week if there were a game last week so i would i would imagine that we see a usual usage of austin eckler and I think that's going to be a key thing this week because as we talked about on our show on Thursday, you know, the, the Cowboys linebackers and safeties can be had. And Austin Eckler, I think could be the primary beneficiary there. Yeah. I know Brett Coleman discussed that Quentin Johnston was the guy with a thousand different ways to win. And maybe that's something we see eventually, but really the guy with a thousand ways to win is Austin Eckler. I mean, you want, you want contact, you want elusiveness, you want receiving, you name it. That is Austin Eckler. So what they can do, and even just what they can show to the defense with him on the field is so different. So having him back is awesome. Um, the guy that I'm, I'm really excited about, honestly, almost as much as anybody else, um, I know he's questionable, but is Donald Parham. Based on mm. when I was sitting in the end zone and watching what happened, I thought that was it. You know, And Donald Parham yeah. has dealt with injuries, and it's like it's never really a one-game thing. It's always a multi-game absence, and sometimes it gets worse. Um, we'll see. You know, He's not fully cleared, but he is questionable. I feel so much better with him out there, not just because he's tight end two, but because he's the red zone threat that also yeah. kind of holds off some of the other tight ends from becoming tight end two, which can be problematic. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the Chargers are so successful in the red zone because of, you know, Eckler initially. And then with Donald Parham recently, having both those guys is so big for this team to really make that statement on Monday. Yeah. You know, I have been pretty vocal about my desires for them to trade for a tight end and, and I still would, but a lot, a, a decent part of that was the uncertainty around Donald Parham because, like you mentioned, you know, he was ruled out of that game. It wasn't like he was, oh, he's questionable to return. He was ruled out of that game officially. Um, you know, he had the brace with it and everything like that. But 
he told ESPN's Chris uh, Rim or Rhyme, I'm not quite sure how to say it yet, but um, that he's good to go. He, he's going to play with the brace on. Um, he said that he was ready to ready to rock. And basically, like he was the pain was not, you know, limiting him from not playing. So um, him being questionable and saying that he's going to play is is definitely best case scenario. And really, like when you talk about what the Chargers have been able to do in the red zone specifically without Austin Eckler, like I think if we had all known like, hey, after five games or after four games, the Chargers are going to be top five red zone offense, but they're only going to have Austin Eckler for one of those games. We'd be like, what the heck is going on? Mike Williams must be having a a huge time or something like that. But really, Donald Parham has been kind of the biggest X factor in the red zone. And, you know, I'm glad that you, you brought him up after Austin. I guess this is now where I can talk about the Dallas Cowboys in the red zone just really quickly because I, I was kind of <laughs> nerdy and I wanted to look at it. Go for it. So <laughs> I was trying to figure out, okay, what are the Cowboys doing in the red zone and what are the kind of the woes? What's going on here? Why are they so inefficient at scoring? Why are they 35% worse? Why are they down by 27 spots where last year they were so much better? I'm sure that play calling has a lot to do with that. Of course, Kellen Moore. But even just looking at, okay, who is actually being featured in these moments? I went through and just kind of charted, okay, who's doing what once they reach the red zone? And CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, they have a combined four catches in the red zone. They have 75 plays in the red zone, and they've only been a featured part of that in terms of like target or touch, whether it's a rush, you know, or a target or um, a rushing attempt on like 18% of those 75 plays. Oh I mean, they God. are so incredibly ignored down there. It's ridiculous. Um, by just pure numbers, it's Pollard with 31 opportunities out of 75. Jesus. Then Ferguson with 10. Then CD Lamb with eight. Then Turpin with seven. Vaughn with four. And then you get Gallup and Cooks tied with Schoonmaker for three just attempts. And, and wow. Brandon Cooks has uh, three targets one of them was an interception and two were incomplete. And you now hear Jerry Jones go out and say, hey, we should target the tight ends more. Um, go for it, I guess. You couldn't really target <laughs> the wide receivers much less. But it was, a surpri- it was a surprise. If you go and look through all of their games, now, I don't think they ever reached the red zone against the 49ers, but if you look at all of their games, it's just Pollard, Pollard, um, Doddle, etc. Oh, I didn't write Doddle down. Darn it all. Hold on. Doddle, how many times did he get the ball? So Doddle was involved in the red zone 13 times. And again, CeeDee Lamb, eight. Rico, for those who don't know. Yeah, Rico Doddle, excuse me. So again, between him and and Pollard, and I guess Turpin, you have 31, you have 7, you have 13. That's wild. It's wild. And that's like a choice. Now, I I get that, you know, I'm sure CeeDee Lamb gets a lot of, you know, coverage sent his way. I'm sure he gets a lot of, you know, the defense trying to take him out. Sure. But again, like 31 for Pollard, 10 for Ferguson, 13 for Doddle, 4 for Vaughn, 7 for Turpin, and just 14 combined for your your wide receiver 1, 2, and 3 is, is god-awful. Um, I say that, though, which is funny because then we talked about, okay, why are the Chargers so great in the red zone? They're tight end, too. You know, I, but it's just not working as much. I don't know. It's just it's a strange thing. But when they get to yeah. the red zone, they literally do not care about their wide receivers 1, 2, and 3. And the only time... Um, name cd lamb had anything was on one catch from 20 yards out which is the furthest you can be <laughs> in the red zone so like like anything condensed the receivers are not counts. getting anything yeah it, yeah it barely counted 
So it's it's a strange situation. Like I've not that I've not I've not watched the plays, but it was just striking to see how many times I saw Pollard, Doddle, Ferguson, Turpin, Vaughn, and not the the receivers that you should be throwing to. That's that's a strange one. You know, uh, watch this be the week that that changes. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it just kind of leans towards uh, you know Mike McCarthy just being predictable. And uh, I loved Stephen Ruiz's article about it. He called it an NCAA fourteen pass offense <laughs> which steven reese is great man if you don't read mm-hmm. his stuff i think you're really missing out on one of the, the the best minds out there when it comes to to reading about football so um yeah it's uh it, it's gonna be really interesting to think like i think this is a game where the charger safeties are really gonna be key and derwin james coming back i think is huge for that uh, it doesn't sound like alohi gilman is going to play um, so it looks like Derwin and Dean Marlowe will be getting the start. We both thought that Dean played uh, pretty well last week against the Raiders, and, and I'm excited to see how that comes to fruition this week. But missing Alohi is huge because he's similar to Donald Parham, I feel like, where Alohi can be that spark plug in key moments and get his hands on a football, create some turnovers, get a sack, tackle for loss, something like that. Um, so they are going to miss Alohi, but kind of a give and take here as we, we get Derwin James back. But we don't have a low heat back. So I am excited to see, like I mentioned on Thursday, I think this is going to be a big Derwin James game. And if the Cowboys are using their running backs that much and their tight ends that much, <laughs> that definitely lends itself towards Derwin being around the football more often. Yeah, I, I don't want it to get it twisted. I, I do feel the Chargers are better with a low Gilman out there. Um, Marlowe played well against the, the Raiders. I won't take that away from him. But I think just what we've seen from Gilman over the course of many games and this season, I just feel better with him out there. He's not going to be out there. It doesn't seem like, um, I, but I feel okay. Like the, the the Cowboys are not taking these deep shots. So I'm not really worried about him having to play the post a whole lot. For my money, it looked like he played well, you know, against the run, playing up in the box. Seems like he can, yeah. do, he can do a lot. Again, one game, I, I don't know. But I, I feel comfortable with him playing that. And like you said, Derwin James, like this seems to be a game. If you're very much so condensed, which is great, and you're going running backs and tight ends like that's Derwin James thing, man. Like that is, yeah, that's kind of easy money for him. And respect to Pollard and Ferguson, but like Derwin James is significantly more talented as a defender than those two guys. Yeah, and you know the the Chargers linebackers and safeties last week against, or two weeks ago against the Raiders did a really good job of of controlling the middle of the field, and that's what caused Aiden O'Connell to hold on to the football. And that's going to be a key thing this week too, as Dak really wants to get the ball out quick. So you're going to need your linebackers and safeties to really be disruptive in passing lanes. And I think we'll, we'll see them do that. Uh, Raheem Lane also in that equation uh, for the Chargers. So other injury news. Um, let me pull this up really quickly. Make some make, make sure and get her. Um, Joey Bosa is questionable. It sounded basically like he's going to be a game time decision. Um, he was out there every day this week, but he was officially listed as a DNP on Thursday and Friday and then limited today. Um, Staley said this afternoon that they're going to see how it goes basically. So, you know, kind of lending itself towards being a game time decision. Uh, I'm kind of like 50, 50 on he plays, uh, where are you at with Joey this week, Tyler? If I didn't see him play against the Titans, like he did where he kind of had that, Hey, I'm not going to practice at all, but I'm going to play 18 snaps or whatever it was. Then I would assume he'd sit this one out, but it just, Although that one that was one particular injury. This this toe issue is a whole other thing. Um, yeah. I, I noticed that the way it was reported was initially it was toe, and then it was hamstring. It's been toe hamstring. So I, I don't know really know what the bigger issue is now at this point. 
Well, now Regardless. it's just toe. It's, it's now just it's just toe. toe. Yeah. Okay, because then Popper tweeted out one thing that said hamstring. I was like, okay, where did Toe go? But regardless, I, I think he will play in a very limited capacity, and I think that they kind of need him to. You know, yeah. not that I think he needs to go out there and start and, and gut it out for a hundred percent of the snaps, but you you feel better with him out there. Um, there's nothing that the other edge four guys that are not Chris Rumpf have done where it's like, okay, we feel really good about the the depth. It, it, there is the drop off. So I think that he needs to be out there. Or hopefully he's out there for a bit. And it, he strikes me as someone who will be out there for this game, even if it's 10, 15 snaps. Yeah, and 10, 15 snaps is is huge. It opens up just that much more versatility for this for this Chargers defense. I know Terrence Steele, we talked about him on Thursday. He, he got cooked by Nick Bosa, as a lot of offensive tackles do. But I think he's a quality offensive tackle. Tyron Smith is, is not who he once was, but I still think he's also a quality offensive tackle. So this is a much more difficult tackle matchup than the Raiders game, um, respectfully to, to Colton Miller, who I think is is probably in that same kind of conversation. Um, but in general, this this Cowboys offensive line is is in pretty good shape. I thought that Tyler Bedos was going to be uh, injured. Um, I said he finished the game last week after going out for a time, and he was a full participant every day in in practice. So. Um, the, they're getting the Cowboys at a presumably fully healthy offensive line. So this is going to be uh, a tough spot for this Chargers defensive line. And you got, if you can get Joey out there for 15, 20 snaps, I think that can make a huge difference in this one. Yeah, we'll find out pretty soon. So do they have to elevate by tomorrow then? Yeah, the so they'd have to elevate by 2 p.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've, they've elevated Brevin Allen twice and Andrew Farmer mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. So if you elevate one of them again, you'd either have to silence the active roster next week or cut them and bring them back. So it's, I don't know. I, I don't think either of them would really be at risk of being uh, scooped up on the waiver wire, but you never know. I guess I Ty know, Shelby is back. They could, they could elevate Ty Shelby. Yeah. Give it a whirl. But I don't think any of those guys would play a whole lot. It would just be more Chris Rumpf. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The other injury is obviously uh, Dean Leonard. Dean Leonard is listed as doubtful. Um, he is the uh, alongside Alohi Gilman, who's also listed as doubtful. So that's, I think it's a really interesting spot because that leaves Isang Bassi as cornerback four on the roster right now. Um, you know, they have, they do have some flexibility. Brandon said talked about that today with guys who lay inside and outside. Um, but I, I would love to see Dean Leonard get back there and be healthy. So um, that's a big one, special teams-wise, depth-wise. Like, he's not a starter or anything like that. But the concern for me is that he was limited on Thursday and mm-hmm. then DNP on Friday, DNP on Saturday. So it seems like he's going in the opposite direction here alongside being doubtful. Yeah, that's... That's the rough one. I dislike. I think Nick Williams was fine earlier in the week and then went to limited or whatever his back. So stuff like that you hate to see during the week. But um, yeah, I I don't really know what. I I really don't want to see Basie out there. Um, I think I even saw like Joe Rolls who covers the Broncos. You know, a lot of Broncos fans were like, "Yeah, Basie's looking really good in camp," and then he looked bad, then they cut him or whatever. Um, (laughs) I think he had like three picks in in the preseason too. Did he? Well, hey, so. you know, 
you know, go for it, man. Make up for 2021 <laughs> season or something. Um, yeah, I certainly don't feel great about the situation, but the Chargers have kind of put themselves in this odd situation where, you know, they believed JC would come back and be great or something or healthy or anything. Yeah. They didn't sign a, a corner. They didn't draft a corner. Now JC's gone. Now Dean Leonard's hurt. They're in a rough spot here. Uh, they They should... If this continues to be worse for Dean Leonard, you can't just trot out your three corners and then bases your backup at like all three spots. You know, they don't have another guy out there who's really inside, outside flexible. Like, I just don't love that. That's 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 your backup plan right now. It kind of feels like tackle um, even worse, in my opinion. Yeah, Alex uh, in the chat says that uh, Matt mm -hmm. Hankins, the cornerback from Iowa, who's on the practice squad, could be elevated and probably will be elevated. Um, he thinks that he would play over Bassey, but I guess it kind of depends who gets injured specifically, but I, I wouldn't be surprised there. You trying to figure all... out the Washington game? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, all right. From a Cowboys perspective, uh, their special teams, a CJ Godwin is out alongside Leighton Vanderesh, who is out. Those guys are uh, headed towards injured reserve. Sounds like. Um, the surprise, I think, um, Deron Bland does not have an injury designation and, and neither does Kamonte Turpin. It sounds like both of those guys do expect to play. Um, so the Cowboys entered the week with like 15 names on the injury report, but, um, all of them except for Godwin and Leighton Van Der Esch and, uh, Wanye Thomas appear to be ready to go this week. Yeah, I think half of them were non-injury related rest days for their guys. So it was, it was a shorter list than it looked. Um, but yeah, no, I guess no real surprises here. I thought Turpin would be far worse. I mean, just before the show that we did previewing the Cowboys, it's like, yeah, he could miss four weeks or replace on IR. And so for it to not be that bad is good for him, I guess. But it's a surprise. Um, did they really miss the game tying field goal? <laughs> Sounds like it. College kickers, they man. Did. Never trust them. Never trust them. Oh my gosh. They missed. They went 50 yards and how long was the field goal 10. attempt? 42. Oh my gosh. <laughs> listen, man, one thing I'll, I'll never take for granted in the NFL is game management from the coaches and kicking from the kickers. Because in college football, it's a it's an atrocity every single week. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a bummer. That's a bummer way to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon went for – they had two fourth down attempts, like, from within the five-yard line, too. And both of them were, were pretty bad play calls, so. If you're an Oregon fan, probably not feeling great about that one. But uh, I think we'll see those two teams play again soon in Las Vegas at the end of the year. So you'll get yeah. revenge. You'll get a chance of revenge, I should say. I'll go Washington. Yeah. Go Huskies, I guess. Alex Katzen, shout out. Um, all right, Tyler, let's get to some of our uh, prize picks of the week. I don't know if you had yours. Do you have yours? Ooh, give me one second to pull that up, and I will tell you what my prize picks of the week are. Um, I can definitely tell you that whatever it was for Justin Herbert, I took less. Yes. I apologize. But um, so <laughs> in an effort to completely. So I, I I have not been the best with these. My mom, 100% <laughs> winning, winning. She could throw a dart at the wheel and she would win. So in an effort to make things work out in the Chargers favor, here are my prize picks for the week. 
Uh, Dak Prescott, more than 259.5 passing yards. Justin Herbert, less than 281.5 passing yards. <laughs> CeeDee Lamb, more than 71.5 receiving yards. <laughs> Keenan Allen, less than 78.5 receiving yards. And Josh Palmer, less than 53.5 receiving yards. So I'll tell you what, I'm winning no matter what. Um, I'm doing great on Monday, regardless <laughs> of what happens. But so You're far... checkers, I got good. Yeah, yeah. The, I got a whole different three-dimensional thing going on here. Um, but <laughs> in in all honesty, though, I do think the, the Justin Herbert... 281.5 passing yards is quite a bit you know we, we just saw him throw for what a buck 50 or whatever it was against the raiders it certainly wasn't the the vikings showing 400 yards so yes um, as alex points out i did the uh yeah my mom just picked prize picks yeah and she just and there's like there's like there's no like like i'm looking at like epa for play like dvoa you know like <laughs> You know, Mahomes is going up against the Jets this week, and the Jets are this and that or whatever. And my mom's just like, go Chargers. <laughs> and it, yeah, see? My mom just said she won $150 on Friday. <laughs> my mom feels so bad for me now that she sends – she'll, like, send me, like, half of the money <laughs> if the Chargers do it and it gives her money. Like, she just, she just can't lose. She can't lose. So, yeah, what am I doing on here? My mom should have the whole segment. That's amazing. That really is amazing. Shout out to to Miss Andrea. She's crushing it on prize picks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, prizepicks.com slash guilty. For those who don't know, you can use the code guilty at checkout for a uh, $100 deposit match on your first deposit. Uh, this genuinely does help support the show. So make sure to go check it out. Um, if you're in California, especially and you're you're just kind of itching a little bit, you know, at that uh, at that stakes kind of line you know this is a great way for you to to scratch that itch so um again price picks is awesome i think my favorite one again we just talked about him austin eckler 50.5 rushing yards is his is his number i'm taking the more there um i think we see a big austin eckler game in this one as as the chargers try and um handle the cowboys pass rush a little bit um the other one i'm interested in is keenan allen uh, uh, you know he's kind of the security blanket for this team um, obviously, you know, the Chargers don't have a great tight end. I think Gerald Everett is, is serviceable, but, um, you know, the Charger or the Cowboys secondary is a little bit banged up. You know, they pressure quickly. Um, but Keenan's uh, reception number is 7.0, which is a little high for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you what do you make of Keenan's number there for receptions? That, that, that kind of feels like the number that it will be. Um, I yes. don't like the ones that are a flat seven or eight. I love the six yeah. and a half or seven and a half. So seven means if you do the more, it's eight. And that's quite an ask. Um, and we, we don't know, like this entire team could say, hey, it's Quentin Johnson time and funnel things his way. Or they go, hey, let's go back to week one and run it like crazy and be efficient. Doubt it happens, but you never know. So there's so much uncertainty. If they were playing the chiefs next and it was before the buy then i think the over would make sense there but just so much uncertainty there you know eckler could be the beneficiary of so many targets against linebackers this game so i guess i would lean less if you had to ask me um, yeah i think so bet, yeah do the opposite if it were 6.5 i would probably take more seven catches feels right like that number um so it's it's probably gonna end up right at seven. He's probably gonna go like seven for ninety and a touchdown or something like that this week. Um, but yeah, again, uh, pricepicks.com slash guilty. 
Use the code guilty at uh, checkout for a deposit match up to $100. So, and this sincerely really helped uh, grow the show. If you guys want to go and use that, it'd be great. Um, all right, let's get to our uh, league-wide picks and as well as our predictions for this game. Um, and then we'll take some of your guys' questions. So um, as it currently stands, uh, Alex is, is kind of lapping us all right now. He's 14-5 and five on the season. Um, Tyler and Arjun are both tied at 11-8. and eight. I had a pretty good week last week, so 10-9. Uh, and nine. and uh, Alex Katzen rounds us out at 9-10. and 10. So um, Arjun has the Eagles as his favorite of the week. They're playing the New York Jets. I also have them. Um, he has the Seattle Seahawks as his underdog, along with Tyler, and then he has the Miami Dolphins. So uh, Arjun and I have uh, two of the same picks this week, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. He has the <laughs> he has the Cowboys winning this week, so I appreciate him falling on the sword uh, and not having a clean sweep. Uh, spoiler alert here in a second, but he has the Cowboys winning twenty eight to twenty four. Alex Katzen has the 49ers as his favorite of the week, the Houston Texans as his underdog, alongside Alex Insdorf, and the Atlanta Falcons as his either-or. Um, Insdorf has the Rams over the Cardinals, the Texans over the Saints, and then the 49ers over the Browns. So lots of overlapping this week. We we do allow that, but doesn't really seem like there's going to be any separation created this week. Um, Alex Katzen has the Chargers winning 34-28, to and Insdorf has them winning 31-30. to what the heck happened to us over the last few days? Like, I know our group chat was so all, negative about the game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure all five of us five days ago, 100%, were picking the Chargers to lose this one. I, I mean, look, I, I guess more study and doing research, you know, reveals more things, and I guess it's good to show that we will actually change our opinion if we see something that changes our opinion. Um, yeah, as you said, spoiler alert, we're going to go four people picking the Chargers to win. <laughs> um, and I don't again, it always bums me out when the, the numbers analytics guy picks the pick the picks the loss, because if anyone's running the numbers, it's 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 Arjun. Um, yeah, so for my picks of the week, Buffalo over the Giants had to pick one sort of gimme, I think. Um, Seattle over Cincinnati, fine. You know, I think the, the Bengals did win pretty big. Um, but how will they fare against Seattle? I don't know. So I'll take Seattle in this one. And then Detroit over Tampa Bay. There were a couple of easier ones I could have taken. The Tampa Bay has been very competitive. Surprise. But um, I'll go with Detroit over them. For my Chargers score, I'm going to go. Now, my bold prediction was they win by double digits. I will not go that route today um, for my actual prediction, which seems maybe like a cop-out. But Steven gave me the pass, so I'm going to do it. But I'm still going to say the Chargers win. Again, I have no idea what got into me or anybody, but Chargers win. I'm going to go 27 to 24. I think the line was at 51, but that was a few days ago. I don't know if that changed. Um, Brad talked about how he got in at 48. Now it's at 51. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I have the Chargers winning. Um, as, as for my underdogs, I have yet to uh, pick an underdog that has won since week one. Mm -hmm. The only underdog I've picked to win that has one was somehow the Jets over the Buffalo Bills in week one where, <laughs> where Aaron Rodgers tore his his, his Achilles and they I'm still like ended the up winning. The game, That's yeah. the one I've been right about. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have the Dolphins over the Panthers and the Eagles over the Jets as my two, two of my three picks. Uh, I'm, again, I'm trying to make up ground here. So 
Uh, I'm trying not to overthink things too much. Um, those two seem like pretty positives for me. Sauce Gardner's not playing for the Jets. The Panthers are a really mm. bad football team. Um, underdogs was was tough for me to to really settle on one. I kind of figured there would be multiple Seattle picks because they're like the best team that's an underdog. Um, I certainly thought about Houston as well because I, I just love the way that CJ Stroud is playing football. Um, but I want it to be a little bit different here. And, you know, the, the Falcons do have a pretty shoddy offensive line when it comes to pass protection. So Washington has had a really nice rebound season from Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Very curious to see if either of those players gets uh, traded in the next few weeks. Um, so I, I think that is an area where the commanders can can excel a little bit. So I'm going Washington on the road over the Falcons. Um, as it pertains to the Chargers, man, like I said, you know, if you would have asked me this a week ago, and like Tyler said, I would have had a very different feeling about this game because it, like, it makes sense that Arjun is picking the Cowboys because a lot of the numbers do kind of point towards the Cowboys having some clear advantages. Um, one area in particular is that the Cowboys um, have been one of the, the top teams in the league in getting quick pressure. And that's something that the Chargers have struggled with. So um, that's the Micah Parsons effect. That's the stunt rate. That's the blitz rate. You know, Dan Quinn really likes to get creative on certain situations. And the Cowboys have made teams pay for that. Um, so it is going to be difficult. The Chargers are going to have to be able to have a quality protection plan in place. But I do feel like a lot of the stuff that they have struggled with over the last few weeks is due to Austin Eckler being out. And Austin Eckler is back this week. So I, I think Austin really does make that much of a difference. And then also, as I've just kind of, you know, dove into this film from the Cowboys offense. I just, I'm having like PTSD from the, the Chargers offense in the back half of last season where there's no motion, there's no creativity, there's no verticality. Um, it's a lot of the same concepts over and over again. Tyler talked about the red zone issues where they're just like actively not throwing the football to CD Lamb in the red zone. So it's just not been a super impressive watch for me while I've been studying the Dallas Cowboys Um offense and i do feel like the chargers will have some opportunities to you know create some explosive plays and, and potentially swing the game and things like that and uh i think they'll take advantage so I, I think it's gonna be a high scoring game i'm definitely not expecting the chargers to you know shut them out or hold them to 10 points or anything like that um but i think the defense will will have some opportunities to make some plays and i do trust the offense with austin eckler back to uh figure some things out for the cowboys against the cowboys defense so I'm going to go higher, relatively higher scoring as well. The opposite of Arjun here. And I'm going to say the Chargers win uh, 28 to 24. So pretty similar score to you as well. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not predicting the Chargers to push over 30, not against this defense and not for a while. I think maybe yeah. you could see a, like a shootout against the Chiefs, but even then they didn't look so great recently and they still won. Um so yeah, I'm not I'm not pushing the Chargers to ever score 30 for quite some time. Maybe the Bears because the defense isn't great, or the Broncos twice a year. But I I, I got to see it. You know, if you had Mike Williams, sure, like maybe I could see that. That's when they got to 30 with Mike Williams. But without, eh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like you said, the really it just comes down to can the defense stop a bad Joe Lombardi offense. That's really what it comes down to. And <laughs> they should well, be ready for it. Right. Right. So again, any given Sunday, things could be so different. And yeah, you know, there are tackles you have to make and there are assignments you have to, you know, make sure you're actually doing and et cetera. So 
of course, you know, the Chargers will give up a couple of points or a handful of points, I should say. But like you, you should be pretty ready for this. Like you had a whole long time to prepare for this game and an extra day to prepare for this game. You know what this offense looks like. As I pointed out, they give it to two players in the red zone and you're good in the red zone. So, yeah, I think the Chargers pulled this one out. I really think they do. And I feel better about this game than the Chiefs game next week. So if they pulled this game out, I mean, this is a, a season turnarounder, if you will. Yeah, certainly feels the, like the Chargers have a real opportunity to create some momentum on their season. Whole country watching Monday Night Football. It's a big spot for them. And I'm excited to see how they handle it because like, I think this this is a game where they, they should match up pretty well with this team. Um, we know what primetime Justin Herbert looks like. Yeah. Uh, Alex was pointing out in our Discord, Brandon Staley's best coaching moments have also come in prime time if you really look at things um, it, from a oh, defensive yeah. okay. schematic standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I talked about primetime Derwin the other day. So, you know, this, this should be a spot where the Chargers stars show up well. Hopefully the Chargers coaching staff gives them an edge like you were talking about from an aggressive standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, just that kill more revenge factor, I think, is, is going to be a fun one to watch as well. Hey, Chargers fans, make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day experience this Sunday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We all know how well football and pizza go together. It's just like Keenan and Alan, Justin Herbert on game day. Make sure you order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. My personal favorite is the pepperoni and green pepper combination with the dynamite crazy bread with the dipping sauce. It's my favorite game day experience to go to for food on sunday afternoons speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza porta pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during game day bolt up it's more fun to be there live for los angeles chargers football and when you need tickets Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the los angeles chargers and the nfl Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. Man, 
we really went four and one. These <laughs> what did we do? I know what happened to us. We were all dreading this game during the bye week. We were like, "What? Like this is going to be not fun to watch." Like it was, yeah, it was fun. But each of us is kind of you know looked at the Cowboys and, and come to the same conclusion. So um, very very interesting. Um, all right. Well, that being said, we'll get to some of your questions. Um, we did have the super chat from Tyler's mom earlier. There was a super chat from uh, our guy Richard as well. I don't really want to touch on the topic that Richard pointed out. Um, but I appreciate the super chat. Richard's one of the, the coolest guys in here, as always. Um, and then our guy, Garrett, a uh, big one as well. He says, y'all got me through my deployment. Your podcast get me through the week. Appreciate all you do. Um, appreciate you, all you do. Garrett's one of our biggest supporters as well. You know, we've got a lot of military support in the in the, in the the GAC family as well. We appreciate all of you guys and everything you do for, for our country. So um, his question specifically, who is your biggest surprise up to this point in the season? And who do you see emerging after the bye? Hmm. Biggest surprise up to this point in the season. It's tough because I don't think the last game was like a great showing, not even in a bad way, but just maybe as a blitzer and that's it. But it really was Kenneth Murray reversing or, or changing the narrative surrounding him. Yeah, I think that was the biggest surprise. We saw things in training camp that looked good, but we've been down that path before. I did think he would be better than he was last year based on what we saw in training camp. But I didn't think it would be as the starting linebacker, as the LB1 with the green dot in two really big games, one of them being against the Tennessee Titans. Like, I really did not expect that. He's changed the narrative so much. If you look at, I think Alex was like one of the first to like tweet what Brandon Staley said about Murray getting the green dot. And it was a, it was a roast. It was the roast of Kenneth Murray in the, in the, in the quote tweets because nobody believed that he could pull it off and we were thinking okay the, the Chargers are going to give up 87 to the titans and derrick henry's going for 450 yards and you look a few weeks later when whoever it was you know tweeted that kenneth murray is going to retain the green dot even with kendrick's back against the raiders this there was so much support for it like hey yeah you know okay cool like he's playing well so i'm okay with that he's earned it i mean the, the complete change of attitude from fans kind of lets you know how he's been and what a, a pleasant surprise that he's been. So I don't think he's been like all world and amazing, but there was a stretch there where he really played well. And that was a huge surprise. Um, emerging after the bye. Hmm, I mean, is the easy answer the correct answer? Is the obvious answer the correct one where it's Quentin Johnson? I mean, I feel like it has to be the yeah. guy that emerges. It, it better be. <laughs> It definitely better be like this. This is really the final, the final excuse has passed, right? You know, players in front of you, like Mike Williams, I get it. You're not even wide receiver four on the team. Even if you were three, you're still competing with those two guys and Austin Eckler, if you were healthy and Gerald Everett, et cetera. But now Mike Williams is out and you've had your buy and you've had, you know, time in the league as well. You had the opportunity to adjust and feed him. So I think it has to be him by default. Because this, that was the final, you know, remaining excuse, you know, outside of an injury. So I think it has to be him. I, I can't think of another player that would really need to emerge. I feel like, you know, Derwin's Derwin, Michael Davis. I guess I don't know if that counts as yeah. an emergence. Um, again, he better right? another player that better do it. But he's someone that you know they've all talked about. And we've even seen when there's stability. They're better. Michael Davis in particular is better. Had been the best 
when he's the guy. So I, I could see him. So Quentin Johnson offense, Michael Davis defense. Yeah, I think biggest surprise, like there's like a negative tone there that you could take. You know, obviously the J.C. Jackson situation, I don't think anybody really saw coming. Um, even the most pessimistic Chargers fans probably surprised how that one really played out. In terms of like a positive surprise, I, I, I think you could mention – Donald Parham's success in the red zone and the kind of X factor that he's been um, not to say that we didn't know how valuable he was, but you know, you come from the Lombardi scheme, which like really heavily values tight ends and versatility among tight ends um, to the Kellen Moore stuff, which, you know, I know they had Dalton Schultz for a little bit, but like they never truly valued like a tight end too. And so to see how much of a true like split it is between Everett and Parham, I think is could be considered a surprise there. Um, you mentioned Kenneth Murray, you know, somebody who I think is kind of flying under the radar right now, and he's certainly got some tough tests up ahead, is Jasir Taylor. Um, you know, right now he leads all of the Chargers enforcing completion percentage at 14%. Um, his run defense grade isn't necessarily reflective of how I think he's played the run. Um but it feels like he's he's playing better than fans want to give him credit for. Again, he hasn't been tested like he's going up against CeeDee Lamb this week. You know, next week he'll probably match up with Travis Kelsey a couple of times uh, just based off of like scheme and things like that. So he's going to get tested a lot over the next few weeks. Um, but right now, I think he's he's kind of played certainly uh, at least slightly above expectations. So um, you mentioned settling things down with Michael Davis better with Michael Davis, but you know, some of that I think goes for Jasir Taylor too, as somebody who's like truly settling into, you know, being a starter in the NFL and being a a key rotational piece for this team, and you know, having that kind of responsibility of of playing the slot for this defense. Yeah, that's a great call there. Um, yeah, I can't even think of anybody else because if I mean if Eckler weren't back, then you could say Spiller, but no. So yeah, I think that was I think they kind of nailed it there. <laughs> yeah uh demetrius wants to know what are the chances we see a little bit more isaiah spiller in this game if you want to take advantage of physicality against the dallas front you'd use him right respectfully i just i don't think isaiah spiller is as good of a back as joshua kelly and i don't i don't want to take touches away from joshua kelly um i know the fan base really really wants to see isaiah spiller out there but i just don't think we've seen any kind of consistency from spiller to Merrick giving him touches over Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler. So it, what is going to be interesting is if he is RB3 because mm, he mm -hmm. wasn't when Austin Eckler was healthy. Right. Um, is this more of an Elijah Dotson game? That part is going to be interesting. But I, I think the team feels very comfortable with a very defined RB1, Austin Eckler, and a very defined RB2, Joshua Kelly. And those two guys are going to get the bulk of the reps. And I think that is the right choice, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I know Joshua Kelly is someone fans like love after week one, then it didn't work out so well. I think he had two very unfortunate circumstances of playing the Titans and the Vikings with 35 people in the box. But I, I think if I'm, I could be off by a little bit. I know he only averaged like 3.6 or 3.7 against the Raiders, but I think he averaged 3.4 yards after contact in that game. Like this guy basically was getting hit and had yeah. to churn out more yards after that. So I think he last game was a better runner than maybe the the yards per attempt average gives him credit for. I I think with I think with Spiller it's you know I've heard some discussion like oh he's more physical and he played in the SEC and stuff but like 
I never really saw him as that guy. I never really understood. Like I never looked at him and went, Oh yeah, more physical. Um, he's younger. So sure. Like maybe there's some extra physicality with that. Yeah. But to me, it's all about the pass catching and what he showed in two receptions right. against the Raiders. It's like, yeah, do that. Forced him to tackle on each of those receptions. Lean into that more. How 100%. much is he involved then? Like you said, because of he wasn't RB three last time when Eckler was healthy. I don't know. Would you be surprised if they just were over with the Elijah Dodson experiment and they decided, yep, oh, well, that's it. Like he, he's going to be the inactive this week. Like, I don't know if I'd be surprised. What do you think about that? No, that's an interesting one too. Cause he's, he's barely played since that, um, mm -hmm. since the Miami game when he got a few snaps at like the end of the game. And then um, against the Titans, he was kind of like RB two for a little bit, but you know, it was Spiller against the Vikings. It was Spiller against the Raiders. So, I agree with you. I think Isaiah Spiller is the second best pass catcher of the group. So I would rather have Spiller be your RB three. Um, I don't know, man. Like all, a lot of us were super against carrying four running backs, but Elijah Dotson certainly earned that chance to be on the roster. But if you're not even going to play him, you know, in special teams, like I just, I don't, I don't understand the value of holding on to him. So that is an interesting thing to keep an eye on for sure. All right, next one from uh, Isabel uh, wants to know, is there a slight concern with Pipkins with his kind of rough start the season in his shoulder injury, even if he's a go? So um, he does not have an injury designation on the report. He is going to play. But Tyler, any concern with how he has played this year? Hmm. Mm, kind of, but no, which is a horrible answer. Kind of because it wasn't maybe what we saw the best of him last year, but no, because it hasn't been like an avalanche god awful performance. If it were, you know, we're seeing multiple seven pressure, eight pressure games, and he's kind of reverted back to what we saw outside of the contract year, then yes, that is very concerning. But it hasn't been bad, it just hasn't been great. And I think it's been fine. So I don't know if that's much of a concern. It, it's worse than what I would have hoped, but it's not bad. No, I don't think he's bad. If you look at his pass blocking efficiency rating right now, it's it's a slight tick up from what he was putting out last year. Um, granted, he had the injury last year, but you know, I think it also is important to remember that he's played some really great edge rushers. You know, you're talking about Jalen Phillips and Daniel Hunter and Max Crosby. Like that's a pretty difficult set of of edge rushers to go up against, and he's always going to get the better one because teams don't want to put their best player, best edge rusher, against Rashawn Slater. Um, so he isn't, he isn't a bit of a tougher spot, but I think if you are watching the tape, um, you, you're still seeing him provide, you know, above average solid tackle play. I think he's grown as a run blocker. Him and Jamari are just like moving folks in the run game. And it's been a pleasure to watch. Um, but there are some times where he gets beat by these elite pass rushers. So, um, he's going to have a tough matchup this week with Demarcus Lawrence. Next week, we'll see what happens with the Chiefs, but they've been playing Chris Jones a little bit more at edge rusher, and, and you know, they have Charles Amenahu coming back. So there's no real break for Trey Pipkins, like I mentioned, but I think he's been playing solid. I think it's just that some of his some of his losses, if you will, have come at really bad moments, and that's why it stands out more. But I think, like, if you look at how he's played over the course of the whole four games, I think you see, like, a solid offensive tackle play. How do you anticipate ET44A kind of brings it up, Slater bouncing back? How do you anticipate this matchup going for him? Like, what is a 
a realistic stat line that also feels like a win for Slater this week. Yeah, so, I mean, it depends really how the Cowboys use Micah Parsons this week for mm-hmm. that question. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, from what I understand and what I've seen on tape, he almost always rushes from the right side. Um, so, really, when we see Micah Parsons rush from an offensive tackle standpoint, it's usually the left side or the right side if Demarcus Lawrence is off the field. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he's, they kind of move him around. So, Micah Parsons moves around a lot. You know, I think he only went up against Trent Williams nine times. If that, I don't know. It wasn't a lot. Right. Yeah, it wasn't a lot. I, I wish it was more, obviously. Um, but he'll te- he'll test Slater a few times because I think he just he wants to prove that he's that kind of player. Um, but then again, we've heard chatter of him playing actual off ball linebacker this week. Um, so I, I think I do expect Slater to bounce back. Is what I'm saying because I do, I'm not super concerned about Dorrance Armstrong beating him. I'm not super concerned about. Dante Fowler beating him. If anyone's going to beat him in this game, it's going to be Micah Parsons. And mm-hmm. the one thing that you can really get Slater with, I think, is an aggressive speed rush from the wide nine spot. And so that is something that Micah Parsons can do. It, it, you have to be a rare athlete to beat Slater <laughs> around the corner. And that's obviously what, what Parsons is. So I do expect Slater to play well. I expect him to handle his business. You know, he has the bye week to, to get healthier. Um, so I, I expect a usual Rashawn Slater performance this week. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Eddie Bruin wants to know if we think they'll elevate Nick Van Nett to help with blocking this week, especially with Donald Parham having to wear a brace on his wrist. No, unless they're making McKitty or Stone Smart inactive, um, which I don't see. Yeah. Although, you know, you go into a bike, change things. But no, I don't think so. If Parham were out, sure, of course. But no, not this week. I would love to see it because I think Nick Vanette it would probably be their best blocker right away. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think they I think they like their four more than we do. Uh, they've done some really creative things in in getting them on the move to you know not have them on an island against pressures. So you know they're using them smartly, but. You know, there are those key moments where you just need a, a people moving tight end, and they don't really have that guy. I think Nick Van Eck could be that guy for them. Um, but we'll see what happens. If anybody misses time, I would expect Nick Van Eck to have a role. But mm-hmm. until then, you know, you you have the, the key four there, and I think that's what they're going to move forward with. Uh, appeal pointing out screen game going to be key this week. Uh, I, I think that's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned on our Thursday show, Darius Davis has an X factor. I would mm-hmm. love to see him get some of those opportunities out there this week because the, the Cowboys really struggle with Ronda Moore as well as Debo Samuel in that kind of role. Not to say that Darius Davis is, is exactly those players, but from a speed perspective, I would love to see him get some creative touches this week and uh, give the Chargers offensive line a, a bit of a break against this Cowboys pass rush, like you mentioned. Um, over under four and a half screens this week. Oh, running back for sure. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Because you're we're talking about including the receiver screens in this kind of thing, right? Okay. So over for sure, I think. Right. It won't be quite Vikings territory, (laughs) uh, but (laughs) no, they'll run. They'll run a good amount. Over under zero point five throws from a non-quarterback this week. Ooh. (laughs) They are. They just did the Keenan Allen throw. I don't know if any of the other guys can throw. I know Keenan throws a good ball, but 
I could no, see, no. I could see, I could see Kellen kind of doing a, a decent amount of trick plays this week. So I, I'll, I'll say over for fun, for vibes. Nice. Ooh, okay. Does Darius Davis or Quentin <laughs> Johnson score a touchdown? Oh, wait. Does he score first? First? Are they asking who scores first? Who scores a touchdown first? Yeah. Oh, um, Quentin Johnston. They did target him in the red zone against the Raiders last or two weeks ago. That's so, the as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. Davis, I don't know how involved he's been in the red zone. I don't know. They like their tight ends there. They like to uh, run it. They do a jumbo. I, I would have to look, but I don't feel like he's had a ton of snaps down there. No, it would either be Davis from further out or Johnson in the red zone or Johnson from further out. Yeah. But are we including special teams? I'll say yes. Yeah, he, he said he said right away possible uh, punt return or kick return oh, touchdown. So go. if you're including special teams, does that change your answer? No, because I I need Johnson to score a darn touchdown. Like <laughs> we need this to happen. I don't care if it's the we worst, do. luckiest touchdown ever. Um, we need it. We need this. Yeah, yeah. I I do feel like the Cowboys probably focus a, a good amount on Keenan Allen this week. So you know maybe that provides some opportunities for Quentin. Hmm. Can I bring up a, a point that I think we've sort of discussed, but I, I want to bring it up more officially? Um, J.K. Scott, the punter, it has not been great from my perspective <coughs> watching it. And I, I didn't realize this, but out of the 26 punters with 15 or more attempts, he's the worst in the league this year in yards per attempt as a yeah. punter. How are we feeling about that? Yeah, it's not been great. Um I think we talked about this a little bit, um, but his net yards is down like uh, almost three and a half yards from what he was doing last year. And the hang time is about the same. So I don't know if he's fully healthy or what, but it it's a concern because there have been some key moments where he's having like a 28-yard punt, 30-yard punt, um, which he did from time to time last year, but it was like every so often, so it wasn't a huge deal. Mm-hmm. But he's had he's had some bad games this year, and I think at least three bad games this year. So um, we need J.K. Scott to figure it out. He's one of several players on this team who needs to get back to his 2022 form. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Ficken, I want to say, was asked about this before the buy and and mentioned it just being kind of like a a minor technique issue. So hopefully they figure it out. You know, we've been so you know profusive of our trust in Ryan Ficken. And I think Ryan Ficken can get the most out of him at this point. But, you know, when you pay a player like J.K. Scott that, you know, it's not a huge contract or anything like that, but they gave him a multi-year deal. It's not like they just brought him back one year for $2 million or whatever. Like, they expressed a lot of confidence in, in him. They didn't bring in any competition for him, not even like an undrafted free agent. So the team needs him to figure it out. Otherwise, we're doing a punter competition again next year when – I don't think that was kind of the the vision for him as a as a punter when they signed him to that deal. No, definitely not. How's Davis been on kickoff returns and punt returns? Now that I'm just spitballing here. Uh Davis on kickoff returns, I feel like has been fine. He doesn't have a ton of chances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, punt return has been a little hit or miss. I think he's his biggest issue is is tracking the football against elite punters. Um, which was a big problem against the Raiders, I think. Um, you know, AJ Cole is one of the best in the business. So Davis tracking the football has been a bit of an issue. There was the muffed punt that was like right at the sideline. 
the first week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a bit of an issue, but you know, he's he's young and everything like that. But at the same time, he was in college for five years. Like he was one of the most experienced returners in college football last year. So it's been a been a bit of a surprise how much he's he's kind of had to adjust to these kind of punters. Yeah. So let's see, ten and a half yards per punt return, not bad. It's fifteenth out of thirty-eight. Yeah. Where are we at with yards per attempt on kickoff return? We are at nineteen point five. So we still can't get past the uh, old <laughs> school touchback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so MES is getting back to this. You know, Kamate Terman is probably the best return man in the business right now um certainly one of the top two or three mm-hmm. so special teams you know from a punt perspective and a kickoff perspective is going to have to be you know on it this week as as we saw last preseason when he took a punt return and a kick return to the house last year yeah great oh deandre carter is second in the league with 30.7 yards per attempt on kickoff returns only three of them yeah it's because he had that he had that huge one against us <laughs> 40 yards is as long, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. It, he was, he was, uh, I always felt like, you know, looking at his numbers, if I remember correctly, that his numbers as a kickoff returner were always better than his punt return numbers. And then the last, last year it flipped. It was the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting to see that the Chargers are still struggling there. Maybe that's the one chink in Ryan Ficken's armor is, is the kickoff return unit. Hmm darn can't be perfect yeah it's fine all right uh tyler any other uh, final thoughts before we get out uh no we'll just be going live on monday night after the game right after the game ends as, as close as we can get to it so yeah we'll see you then we're either going to be eating a lot of crow <laughs> um <laughs> we'll see we will see yeah. All right. If you're still in the chat here, uh, let us know scale of one to five. How nervous are you? Five being extremely nervous, one being not nervous at all about Monday Night Football. So quick, uh, let us know. Um, you know, it, it it's <laughs> Tyler said six already. Um, it's one that I've I've been super excited about. You know, the coaching matchups, the individual player matchups. There's just a hot a lot of high level football to be had this week. Um, you know, I, I think both of these teams are, are itching for a big win and, and trying to, you know, settle into who they are this season. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of intensity here. And I think this is going to be a great matchup to, to watch. So if you're a casual fan, you're probably very excited about this matchup. If you're one of us, it seems like there's a lot of nervous energy, which I totally understand. Um, the Chargers do not know how to play normal football games. So it's going to be a close one. It's going to be, you know, down to the wire. And uh, hopefully the Chargers come out on top. Evan said 10. <laughs> Mine will be a four out of five when they play the Bears. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat today. This has been fun. Uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. Uh, as Tyler mentioned, we'll be live shortly after the game on Monday, hopefully after a win. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you guys later. As always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.